Gimel, in Derech Hashem, Oy Tzarech Sheyeda. Be late. It's okay. Oy Tzarech Sheyeda. The person needs to know we're in chapter 1 of Derech Hashem, we're in paragraph Gimel. Oy Tzarech Sheyeda, the person needs to know. Tzarech Sheyeda, you need to know. Shamotsui, that this being Hazer, that we've been referring to, that we've been referring to until now, the Creator, is Baruch Shmoy. Hinei metziusoi metzius mukrach she'i efshar hei odroi klau that Hashem's existence is imperative and it is impossible for it not to be. Oitzorach she'eda we also have to know she metziusoi is barchma Hashem's reality ain't totally bezulas eklau it's not dependent upon anything and then miatzmei mukrach ametzius he's internally from his own kilu as it were. He's from his own essential being imperative. Furthermore, you need to know. has a simple, his reality is simple. There is no complexity or there is no duplicity. There's no, there's no more than one part, as it were, to the Ebishta. And all perfection is contained with him in a simple fashion. Perish, the explanation is, behold, in a person's self, a person can find within himself many different kinds of strengths, many different kinds of powers. Each one has a separate separate definition. Derech Moshe, for example, Hazikoran Kirch Echod, memory is one strength. Varatzain Kirch Acher, will is a different. Hadimion Kirch Acher, imagination is different, is yet another separate category. Vein Echod Me'ele Nichnas Begede Chaver Klal, and one doesn't enter into the other at all. Kine, because behold, Gedazikoran Kader Echod, Memory is one delineated area of a person's mind. Gedarot and Gedarche, the will is a completely different delineated area. Now, will doesn't enter into memory, neither memory into will, and so to the others. They all are separate entities. But the, the, the Hashem, He doesn't have different strengths. Different powers. Even though he has things which, when they enter into us, they appear to be different. Because he wants and he's wise and he and he does and he's complete. His reality is one. That he includes within him everything which is perfection. And therefore perfection is not external to him. And to the reality of his being. Rather it is part of him that he includes within him all kinds of perfection. That it's impossible for him to be imperfect in any way. So, if you understand what I've just read, I'm impressed because I had no idea what I was reading. Uh, first of all, I, have, uh, I don't know what he's talking about in terms of people, and secondly, I have no idea what he's talking about in terms of Hashem. The way I understand it, both memory and will are, are not delineated 
as separate entities at all. Your will influences your memory and your memory does your will. Meaning that when we have, an, a, mem- when we have a memory, our memory isn't, an, is, isn't a duplicate of the event that occurred and then it's reproduced over the course of time. Rather, initially when we think, when we perceive the event, we create a memory from, from it. But that memory is tied into what we want to see and what we don't want to see. And well, certain parts of the situation will stick out, whereas others will fall into the background. As we go on remembering that situation, we'll further modify it to align with what we want. So a person that wants to remember how he was um, loved in a particular situation... Uh, there's a group of friends and he'll remember the friends that responded to him well and the friends that disliked him perhaps they'll almost disappear from the memory in the course of time and we do this all the time memories which are important to us will seem closer memories which are less important will seem further something which my wife said to me I said to you you say this all the time she said to me I haven't said it for years in my memory it was something she said at least in the last for sure in the last year in her memory it hadn't been said for years and years so to say that Rotson and memory, will and memory are separate, I have no idea what he means by that. I don't know what he's talking about. The general point I think he's making though, despite the specificities, the particularities, the point he seems to be making is there's something called complexity and something called simplicity. And a human being is complex and Akash is simple. Meaning that our relationships internal and external, our very being, we can draw lines. There's an end point. We refer to as Ein Soif. He has no end. We, in terms of the way that we manifest in the physical world, there's a, there's, there's a boundary to our beings. Otherwise, we wouldn't all fit in this room. Or we all fit in this room. <laughs> Not quite sure which way to say it. But, in other words, the fact that there's, there's a bench and there's four people per bench is because each person takes up a certain amount of space, no more, no less. That your, your hand comes to an end. We are not Ein Sof. There's an end to us, at least our physical bodies. Not only are our physical bodies... I just There's an enormous amount of noise from outside. When it gets stifling hot, we'll try. Open it up again. Our bodies, um, our bodies too, have a beginning and an end. And our bodies and our emotions have a beginning and an end. We're angry for a period of time and then the anger subsides. We're happy for a period of time and the happiness subsides. We don't have everything all at the same time. We're, we're, we're a changing being. So Akash Bokhi is none of that. But then what happens is when we try to conceive of something as everything and nothing at the same time or everything of all those things and they're all different but they have no difference between them, we kind of hit a bit of a brain short circuit, if you know what I mean. So luckily the next paragraph says, This way is It is extremely distant. It's very far from our perception and our, what we can imagine. We have really no way to explain it, neither words to express it. So that kind of reassures me. Meaning ultimately it's, it's going to be a concept which can't be put across to the construct of language. It just can't. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's completion, yet simplicity, is something which, in our world, we have no frame of reference for that. We're extremely limited in our perception. Our brains are very, as brilliant as they are, 
they can only glimpse a minuscule amount of, of the created world, let alone the Creator. You wanted to say something. Shalai moi ha melech. Shalai moi ha melech. I can be happy and angry at the same time. Like, I might be angry, and then I might be angry that I'm angry, and I might be happy about the fact that I'm angry about being angry. <laughs> um, what you're saying is you can experience two emotions simultaneously. But your anger and your happy are not the s- your anger and your happiness are not the same emotion. They're not they're not intertwined. You have a part of you which is angry and another part of you which is happy. We all we all experience conflicted emotions. I look at you. A part of me thinks, "Wow, this guy is stylish," and a part of me thinks, "You're so cheesy." I've got those two things together. I have to live with them. Part of me thinks you'd look great without that overgrown beard. Part of me thinks, but it's so geschmack and chassidish. You look like you just stepped out of the shtetl. To understand that all these things, part of me feels like you should be playing on a fiddle. Another part of me feels that if that's true, why have you got that ridiculous watch which was made for girls? There's all these kind of <laughs> things that are kind of simultaneously going through my head at the same time. I can experience them, but they don't, they don't, they're, they're not the same. They're different. You follow, Shema? Yeah. Um... So when it comes to Akash Baruch, it's different. It's different. It's different. Yes. So, um, why would Hashem make us in a way with limited perception like that? I mean, if we're trying to draw close to God, this, you know, holds us back from experiencing, you know, that type of experience. Why would He create us that? You know, That's interesting. You, you, you've got like a whole set of premises that you kind of came in with, which is interesting, and I, and I support them. I only start, I only start being as abusive to people this year after they've been there for at least two or three months. Um, right now I'm still like, you know, you're still the new guys, so I'm going to be exceptionally nice to you and just like maybe comment on your brilliance and depth. This, your, your premise is, no, your premise is, and I, I admire it, your premise, is, your premise is that the purpose of us in this world is to get closer to Hashem. Now how do you get close to a person? By understanding and knowing them. And seemingly Akash Bokhah says up in a catch-22 situation. He says, get close to me, but you can't know me because, my, because really what I am is beyond the faculties I've given you to comprehend. So why would Akash Baruch set us up that way? There's a fantastic question. Now, one of the worst things I could do at this point, and this is a theme that recurs in our share, is to answer that question. Because there's incredible value, especially when the question that you're asking, which is so deep and so profound, not to answer the question. In fact, it would be a disservice to you if I kind of gave over a glib answer. The question is of such a nature that's a question that you have to grow with and live with and there may be years before you get an answer and the truth is in, in a few years' time when you get the answer it may over, only be an inkling of an answer which will develop over decades. That's okay. But that doesn't mean by any means that you should suppress the question. You should nourish it. Just like if you're tending to a garden the plants and flowers that grow in your exotic, special place should be watered and tended to with care. So too your questions should be nourished and, and, and satiated. They should be supported so that they can grow and flourish. Because as your questions grow and flourish, <coughs> they spark the curiosity and the interest that allows you to become an active participant in the act of living. For me to answer the question now, would destroy that process for two reasons. If I gave an answer which is convincing, it will close down the question, and therefore you wouldn't quest any longer. Question comes from the, 
question, the word from quest. You want to be on a quest. Secondly, secondly, um, it would be a, it would be a, it would be a, a shallow and superficial experience for both of us. It would be like it would be a disservice to the entire dynamic that we're experiencing right now, which is a deep one for us. For other people in the show, they're just like sitting and watching. But for a person of your status, it's a completely different story. Yes, Josh, come um, on, bore me. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you said uh, you said a few shirim ago. You were talking about ego, and that was the Ramchal's chiddush, like even compared to Rambam. And um, so there's like it's interesting. There's two. Um, there's two like. Well, not only two, but there's two like sort of uh, conflicting paradigms of neuroscience. The one that says that our mind is there like to store information from outside, and the other one says that um, our minds are actually blocking off uh, things from outside. In other words, that um, um, it's blocking off the things that we can't um, actually deal with. If we if we were to uh, be receptive to everything in our environment and be able to absorb everything, we'd go crazy. We'd we, we wouldn't be able to function. So that's what our mind's doing. It's blocking off the things that would make us go crazy. So um, if you're going with the second one, then maybe... Then the in other words, both agree that there's a filtration system in the mind and that not everything comes in. The question is, what is the primary function of the mind? One, one school will say that the primary function of the mind is to filter out things which are unnecessary. And the other one says the primary function of the mind is going to contain things which are necessary? Mm, is, that, is that, that the that Machlaikas? I think so, yeah. It's Machlaikas? Who cares? I'm saying... No, no, one thing. I'm asking a question. You can't... I'm saying that. What's the difference? Who cares? What's the Nafkamina? What's the practical difference? Halakhically speaking. When I say Halakhically, I mean because, neurologically because the one is linked to ego. So in other words, if we... Oh, you mean one, one, is, one is the mind is there to latch onto, and one of the, the mind is there to distance from? I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I, my mind is filtering what you're saying, so that I can't grasp and incorporate into my being. What do you mean? I'll speak off the Okay. You can speak now. No, it's fine. You can chirp me if, it's, if you want. Yeah. Okay. Good. No, it, it, it is. It's a very confusing. Mi- mind in itself is a big machlokes. Is there such a thing as a mind? Is it only a brain? There's a starting point before that. In other words, there's there's a, there's, there's a huge discussion as far as I know in neurological literature. Is ca- can you? What is the mind? Where does it begin? It's a very it's a very kind of ambiguous field. The mind is, is it just is it just neural activity? Is it a set of chemical reactions? Or is there something? It's like it's, it's like it's a huge, it's a huge, 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 huge thing which I have a very little understanding of. Gary. I mean, like that is the most vague statement I've heard of in my entire life. So yes, yes, it's like saying, is it not part of life? Yeah. I'm just a <laughs> well, what are you differ- I mean, What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. You're coming in here to say something, and I'm assuming it's valuable. Just, just kind of frame it. Did I have a question? Yeah, you're trying to grapple with what's the mind. Where does it start? Where does it end? I'm saying that it's actually your soul. 
In other words, forget the neurological perspective. If you want to explore, the, what, how would you trans- my, translate mind into Judaism, the way you translate it is your mind is your soul. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, you did say nefesh and goof and stuff, so I'm assuming you weren't speaking from a neurological perspective. Um, thank you. You guys, are you liking the new kind of quite harsh dynamic in the shit? Is, is it okay? Is that not for you? No, I'm saying for you. No, I'm darcher, kol darcher, darcher. No, but I'm saying that. Come on, Joel, say something. I don't know, what's this become like a free for all that you know they've got something to say anything about some vaguely related topic about heart, soul, and mind they can just like kind of view the airs. I understand. <laughs> what's going on over here? Okay, good. So I'm glad we I'm glad we clarified all those issues. Anyone else want to say the little piece? No, yeah, why not? Um, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so he says it's very far from the mind, right? He finished off saying it's very far from the mind. Is that implying that it's far but it can be achieved? Or is implying it's far that it's in, in outside of our grasp? Entirely. It's very interesting. If you look carefully at the words of the Derech Hashem, he says, There's almost no. He does say there's almost. So now, it, it, it could be that, and I think this is relates, um, again, this relates to the, the question, which is Tucker, the only valuable thing which has been said here so far. What you asked, and that is that, how do you bridge this gap? That's really the biggest problem. And he seems to hint that there may be a way of going through there, but we don't know what it is. Let's keep on reading the words of the Ramchal. Because our conceptualization and our imagination can only grasp things which are bound in the boundaries of the nature that was created from Hashem. Which is what our senses bring to our intellect. In other words, we, we really gain information through sensory um, processing. And when we look at the created world, there's no such thing as absolute simplicity. So we really can't, we can't really have any analogy in the experience of life to draw from for this kind of experience. Because we're basing, again, we're basing ourselves on the world, the reality that we've assimilated into our consciousness is one which is based very strongly on our sensory perceptions, our sensory processing. And the way we see things are differentiated. We don't see things as absolute simplicity. Now again, and I think this is what Mordechai means to ask, but he just, after the tone that's been said in the show, he's a little bit nervous to open his mouth. Um, but what Mordechai means to ask is that there are certain people to reach states of consciousness where they say that the differentiations blend, blend into one another and you see an absolute picture of reality where you actually can't differentiate between different things. I think there's a very famous TED talk by a, neuro, um, a neurologist or a neuroscientist who has a stroke. Mm. What's her name? Jill. Jill? More specific? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, there, no, there's a very, uh, I've forgotten her name, it's a very famous TED talk because she has a stroke and because she's a neurologist, she has like inside information as to what's happening to her. 
So she, she actually is aware of the fact and she thinks to herself, while she's having a stroke, she says, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. I've never seen this happening from the inside. <laughs> no, 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 no. If she's having it during the TED Talk, that would have been like an incredible foresight on behalf of TED to like engineer that. That would be good. She, 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 makes, she, she has a TED Talk after she's rehabilitated. So she's actually recovered and then she presents what happened to her. What's really interesting in her presentation is she describes almost the blissful feeling when her entire left side of the brain closes down and she's just left with what she calls the right side of her brain and the warmth and she says she can't, she's not able to process and define and put into language anything but there's an incredible warmth of the oneness of existence. So, I mean, obviously, there's more, there's healthy ways of getting there than having a stroke, I'm imagining. And that's really what Mordechai was, was thinking in his mind, perhaps, and this kind of goes in the direction of your question, Noam, perhaps in relation to if we could transcend, if we could transcend the physicality of our being, which has got all the structures and strictures, so then perhaps we could have an access to this higher sense of, of what Hashem is. But in terms of the cognitive realm, we are extremely limited. The cognitive being very more, more the, the left, that what we'd call today, or many people would call today, even though it's obviously there's more discussion right in current in neurological studies about left and right brain. And, uh, yes, Abba? I'm just wondering as to the, the purpose of, the, of expressing these things, is it to help us connect to Hashem by, by understanding the, um, like a mechanic that we simply can't understand? Or is it to tell us, look, there is this thing, you won't understand it, so focus on the things that you can grasp. I would say the former, not the latter. And I think the point you're making is, is also valuable. There's a value to know what you can't understand as well. There's a value to know how far your brain can go. It's, it's, it's valuable. Because it shows you that, that, again, there's a certain amount of humility that's required, that as a created being, through using my mental faculties, this is, I can get to this point, and then it stops. So, so don't, don't make the mistake of, you know, there's a famous, um, I forgot who it was, the, was it Yuri Gagarin, the first, you know, the cosmonaut, the first Russian, that went into space and said, I went there, there is no God. <coughs> yeah. He looked around, he said, I looked, I looked, I saw. The world's small. Right? So there's no God, because I, I checked it out, I looked all around, didn't spot him once. You know, it's like a, a, akin to the person that, you know, dissects the body and says, there was no soul. I saw, there was no soul, I couldn't find soul anywhere. I looked, I looked between the kishkas, Nish, Gornish, Gornish. So again, that, 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 that's not knowing the limits of your human faculties. Yes, so, so it's valuable to know what you don't know. We have already said that you actually can't grasp Don't make inferences from what you see in the creations to the Creator. They're completely different and one cannot inform upon the other. But this is verified through our tradition and it's 
um, corroborated by the way that nature works. That it's impossible that there can't be, that there is no being which completely transcends all laws of nature. That is free of any lacking or deficiency. Free of any multiplicity or complexity. That's completely independent from anything within the created world. That he is the ultimate cause of everything that comes into being. That without this, the created world, as we see it and experience it, would be an impossibility. Let's finish off this chapter. This, the oneness of Hashem is imperative. There's one and there's no more. Perish. It's impossible to have more than one being that has an imperative existence. There can only be one imperative being. If there would be other such beings, if there are other beings, it's only because the initial being caused them to come into being. Being, being, and therefore all creations are dependent upon him whereas he is not dependent on them Nimza comes out again these are things which are philosophical which I don't have the knowledge, experience or wisdom to go into and therefore we're going to have to skip over it even though you may it comes out that there are six fundamental ideas that we have to know about God and they are the reality of his being his perfection that his being is imperative he's independent he's simple and he's one and I think that draws to a close this next and exciting episode of the Derech Hashem Sheer which can be greatly contrasted from yesterday's Derech Hashem Sheer which was a if it was a Sheer or not or the day before.